You're listening to On the Other Hand, bringing you different perspectives for everyday problems. I'm one of your hosts, Julia Meadows. We're very excited to bring you a new format of episode, a roundtable discussion featuring multiple voices. It's a more laid-back format, completely unscripted. If you are having trouble following along, I suggest that you turn to the Google Doc with a complete transcript of the episode, including links to websites and news stories we discuss. The link to the document can be found in the description on this episode's SoundCloud page. We hope you enjoy this new and different approach to the podcast. It was fun to sit down, drink coffee, and record a conversation about recent events. This conversation starts here in episode 6 and will continue in episode 7. Chris and I had a lot to say on the topic, so naturally it took quite a long time to record. But we hope you listen and enjoy. Hi there, it's Christopher Levan again. I want to invite you to a coffee shop. Just sit down opposite me. Join us for a conversation. Just a few minutes ago, and as I sat in the coffee shop at the corner of Bloor and Bathurst here in Toronto, I was surprised at the extent to which every conversation seemed to be framed by the word Trump. There I was, minding my own business, typing on my computer, and I could hear behind me and across from me people having their daily conversation, going through their routine, except that every conversation was punctuated with reference to our new president. It's as if the uh, world has somehow shifted and we are now in Trump time, <laughs> a frightening thought. And what seemed to characterize many of the conversation and certainly characterizes my inner dialogue is a sense of confusion. We don't know yet what is going to happen and what he really means. I mentioned in the sermon a few weeks ago that analysis of his speeches for 2016 indicated that Donald Trump tells the truth, the absolute truth, 3% of the time, which leaves us all with the 97% of the time wondering what's going on and what he's really going to do. And I have, as many do, a tremendous apprehension that the rubber has not yet hit the road, but it may well. And where do we see the uh, concerns arising? So uh, I want you to join us in our conversation. Julia is opposite me here today. Yes, I am. And we're going to have a little uh, pull up your coffee, get your chemical, whatever you need to uh, uh, use in order to listen. And let's go for it, Julia. Where do you think the rubber is going to hit the road? Well, so far, what I've been encouraging my friends to do is to check the Congress website because I've seen on my newsfeed multiple people sharing recent bills that have been posted to the website. And it's some honestly very terrifying stuff. There was a bill that seemed to aim to uh, have the United States leave the United Nations. You know, it feels like American Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> And we have the, all the very public things that uh, Trump has been talking about with the withdrawal from NAFTA and uh, let's build a wall along the Mexican border. And have the Mexicans pay for it. Yes. The thing that is disturbing for me, before we even get to any of the bills and any of the consequences, is that by virtue of getting elected, he shifts the political agenda and indeed the, the kind of common conversation to the right. So instead of arguing about the niceties of what climate change regulations and carbon taxes might do, 
we're uh, discussing uh, stupid ideas like, hey, let's build a wall. And we have to take that seriously as, as a, a subject of conversation because he puts it there. Yeah, it's amazing the whole thing that came out with alternative facts and fake news when so much of what he's saying is utter bullshit. <laughs> we can't trust him, but he's trying to pretend to be this face of someone who's trustworthy, this absolute power, but he's just this guy. It's a lot of hot air. He's talking out of his ass most of the time. <laughs> Difficult thing. <laughs> Tell me about what you thought of the, the demonstrations on Saturday. I was very impressed with what I saw. There was one website that had pictures from the women's marches from all over the world, and I was just blown away by the number of uh, walks that were happening, just the solidarity that was happening, though there are criticisms of some of the walks more in the realm of discussions of intersectionality, questions of race in feminism that are sometimes ignored for the message of sisterhood, but I could talk about that later. But overall, I was just amazed to see how many people around the world were willing and able to step up and protest something, you know, people in Australia protesting it. It's not their country, not their president, um, a sentiment that a lot of Americans share, <laughs> not my president. But the amount of support for women across the world in the U.S. Has uh, the election of Donald created a sense of apprehension in you and in your circle about what will be the position for women in the future? Most definitely. It's very concerning to me since so many people on my Facebook, uh, especially in a Facebook group I'm in that has 13,000 people, it's amazing. A good number of them are American, though the times that I'm awake tend to be when all of the Australians are awake <laughs> in the middle of the night. But a lot of them have been posting about how afraid they are for their reproductive rights, how concerned they are for what it means for them, what it means for their families. A friend of mine who is uh, really, she's not American, she's Canadian, but she is an amazing, amazing activist. Um, I'm going to name drop her. Uh, her name's Raven Leadham. She's absolutely inspiring, just what she does. She had a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood back in December, and it was really successful. And I'm just so proud to be able to say that I know her. And she posted a video around the time of the election sharing her, uh, I don't even know what word to use. She was just so upset and angry and concerned for members of her family who live in the States, you know, the, the women in her family, especially the Muslim women in her family. She's really scared for them. And it angers her that a lot of them feel so powerless and she's hoping to change that, hoping to protest this, to really fight against it. And I think she's just absolutely incredible in how much she's willing to do and how loudly she's willing to speak out for people that are maybe too afraid to speak up for themselves. Because everyone needs to have a voice right now and it seems that the people that are speaking the loudest are only telling the truth 3% of the time. <laughs> I saw the crowd in Vancouver where I was and a huge sense of goodwill and of trying to move forward and being hopeful. 
And the question that I raised for myself and certainly others I've heard uh, since is, what will happen now? What are the next steps or what can we imagine? What, what do you imagine is follow-up to that display of solidarity and of protest? Well, for a lot of people that are not able to participate in marches for whatever reason, if it's a physical disability or they can't afford to fly out to these big places, there was that whole controversy with Canadians not being able to enter the states if they revealed that their intentions were to go to Washington to march. Very shocking. (laughs) But continuing to support organizations that are women's organizations. It's so important that we're supporting places like Planned Parenthood because they're not just an abortion clinic, in quotation marks. They are, for some people, the only source of reliable health care. They are a place where you can go feel accepted, feel that the doctors are not going to judge you if you go in and you want to get tested for uh, sexually transmitted infections. They're not going to say, oh, well, maybe you shouldn't have slept with five people in the past year. They're going to accept that that's what you did. They'll write it down so that they know. And it just helps to give them a better chance at giving you a good experience there that will help you feel comfortable and safe. That's something that's really important to that organization, especially for people who typically feel unsafe most of the time, for people that are transgender and just starting their journey, going into an organization that will just accept you and validate your identity and help you feel that this is who I am and it's not shameful. We need to be supporting these organizations because Trump isn't going to. Indeed, and some of the fear uh, that I've heard expressed is that Trump or his cabinet will undermine the funding for a whole variety of things that in the past have supported marginal and outcast types of communities. So one of the things that was raised about the decline or the, or the rejection of Obamacare is that many people who are transitioning and use hormone treatment and have that covered will no longer have all of it that they need paid for through a public system, and some of them without any resource, and others with having to fight for it again through a different insurance regime. So it, there will be many places where we will be asked to rally around and, and support what had been a, a publicly funded venture. I heard that, and I have not confirmed this because I didn't look it up yet, but I heard that public broadcasting may also be one of the ones that is going to receive uh, the cut, you know, or the, any federal funding may disappear through... Uh, Trump's programs. It will be very hard. My sense is that we're going to be called upon to shore up many institutions that have previously enjoyed the support of the federal government in the United States. So this is going to be tough. What about here in Canada? You know, I'd be lying if I said that we're not feeling the effects of it. There are next-door neighbors, and even though uh, many of my friends are Canadian, though I do have a good number of American friends, everyone is concerned because one small thing could ultimately alter Canada's course as a country. We don't want to go to war, right? (laughs) Hopefully we don't have to go to war over anything that Trump decides to do on a whim. Something that has concerned a lot of Canadians is seeing this emergence of hatred, which is something we talked about in some of our earliest episodes, uh, the allowance of hateful language and all of its effects, negative, horrifying, everything that Trump says, contains at least a few words that are mistakes. 
horrible, horrible mistakes, and it makes you wonder why he's allowed to tweet. So our fear as Canadians, my fear as a Canadian, is that we currently have a government which has made its name on being kind and generous and, and offering goodwill to everybody, and I'm not sure that the current regime in Canada has the ability to stand up to American pressure and, and be a, a, a voice of reason. I fear that they will too quickly accommodate themselves to American uh, values. The second thing I fear is that there are some within the conservative ranks who look at Donald Trump and see it as a formula for themselves. Kevin O'Leary may well want to be Canada's Donald Trump. And while that may not succeed, we saw with Stephen Harper that it can create a tremendous amount of bad feeling and ill will if a politician starts to play the kind of anti-racial or negative politicking. Yeah, and I think we're going to have to wrap up this episode, but we'll be continuing our discussion in the next one. But I think I'd like to just close with a tweet from the Donald himself that kind of summarizes this episode. He tweeted, My Twitter has become so powerful that I can actually make my enemies tell the truth. Well, that's a a lie. (laughs) Thank you for the coffee and thank you all for joining us. Come back to the cafe and we'll uh, continue this conversation later. Thank you for listening to episode 6 of On the Other Hand. The second half of our conversation is coming soon, and I hope you are looking forward to tuning in. As always, remember to check out our Facebook page, the link to which you can find on our SoundCloud profile. Additionally, you can subscribe to our podcast on both the iTunes Store as well as Google Play Music. The episodes are completely free, so we encourage you to download them onto your mobile devices. Once again, this was episode 6 of On the Other Hand. Thank you.